Hello again, guys. This is still Zach Cordell with the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist Podcast. I'm coming at you today to let you know that I got together with a couple of other Latter-day Saint podcasters, some who interview missionaries, some who interview people with addiction recovery that are in addiction recovery, um, some others who are just hosting what's going on culturally within members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But we all came together to discuss the Light the World movement that is going on right now. So because it is the Christmas season, it is the holidays, the church puts together a Light the World movement. And it's a hashtag that you can use as you're going about social media. But it's a bigger thing than that. It's focused on focusing on the reason for the season, which is Jesus Christ. It's also focused on just the little things that you can do to light the world for others and being be an example of the Savior. And so just wanted to pass this podcast episode along. You'll find it on all the other podcasts that are are featured here. So there's a lot of interesting people that'll be on here. But I wanted to pass this along. Hopefully it'll it'll brighten your season a little bit. And be sure to check some of those out because it's great content. And a special thanks goes out to Garth Smith, who put the music together for this episode. So without any further ado, this has nothing to do with nutrition other than, yeah, nothing, nothing really. But it has to do with the Savior, and that's what this is all about, right? Hey, it's Sean Rip here with the Latter-day Lives podcast. Uh, When I think about Light the World and what it means to me, I am reminded of a time 25 years ago, a Christmas that I had when I was a young missionary. And I was in southern Chile. I was down in a very remote area, and things were not going super great for my companion and I at that time. First of all, we had been uh, teaching some people who we thought were progressing really well and that things were going well. And then we were suddenly told, hey, uh, we're actually not interested, but thank you. We also had another investigator who had been uh, progressing very well, we thought, And we showed up at the church on Christmas Eve to teach her, and she did not show up. No reason, no nothing. We waited at the church for two hours and nothing. On Christmas Eve, in addition, we were able to get our mail. And uh, this was pre-email times. We went down to the post office. We got our mail. And we had each been dating young ladies before we left on our mission. And there was a letter from each of them that day. And let's just say there were some things in the letters we did not care for. (laughs) And that also was not fantastic. (laughs) Everything was just kind of piling up to be just really terrible. And here we were down in the southern tip of Chile. Things were not going our way, and it was not going to be a very happy Christmas at this point. Well, very frustrated, we went back to our house. Um, And part of our frustration, too, is that in Chile, or at least in this, this part of Chile, They celebrate uh, Christmas primarily late at night on Christmas Eve, around midnight Christmas Eve. And so we were told by our mission president that we had special permission if we wanted to go to someone's house to celebrate with them if we were invited by a family to join them, and that would be fine. Well, guess what? No one invited the missionaries. (laughs) 
we were not invited anywhere, and we just felt like, what are we doing? What is going on here in our mission? I was so frustrated when we got back to our house. We lived in what was called a pension, which was renting out a room in somebody's home, that angrily I jumped up on the bed, just mad, kind of stomped my feet down on the bed, and suddenly there was a boom. Oh no, the bed had broken. This is not good. I jumped off the bed and got down on my hands and knees to look, and it wasn't the bed that had broken. No, no, it was the floor. I had broken a hole in the floor. (laughs) Could this day get any worse? There was a hole in the floor, and I could see down into the coal cellar below the home. This was horrible. Oh, everything was going so badly. We laid down on our beds, me on my uneven bed, and just talked about how miserable we were and how we couldn't wait for this to all just be over. Sunday, or, uh, Sunday of Christmas Day was going to be our P-Day, and that was the next day, and we were super excited for it. And so we laid there just wallowing in our misery, and then the phone rang. And it was a young lady who had been baptized a few years ago, and uh, she was the only one baptized. Her parents had taken the discussions but had decided not to join the church. But we had met her parents, very nice people, And uh, she was just a stalwart within our ward. It was awesome. And so as we're laying there talking, she calls and says, uh, hey, we would like to invite you over tonight. We're sure you have other plans, (laughs) but if if you don't, you're welcome to come over to our home. My mom wanted, wanted you to know you're invited. And of course, we had nothing else and we accepted, sure, we'd be happy to come. We were invited over at about 11 o'clock at night, and and so as the time was coming closer and closer to 11, my companion and I were just saying, gosh, I do not want to do this. I don't want to go. I just want to go to bed and call it a night. This is so dumb. This has been the worst day. But we had already accepted that we would go, and we showed up, and we knocked at the door. And this wonderful young lady came and opened the door and wished us a Merry Christmas. And her mom came running over and gave us each a hug, and her dad came over and welcomed us in. And their house was so bright, and the decorations were so beautiful, and they had incredible music playing, and they had the most amazing food laid out, hors d'oeuvres and and desserts and all kinds of things. And we sat down, and I remember her mom saying, it must be so hard for you to be away from your families, so please think of us like family tonight. And that night they were like family. They got us gifts. They bought us really thoughtful gifts. They got us each an ornament and some socks, and it was just so warm and so welcoming. And as we settled in and we shared stories about Christmas growing up and we talked about the Savior, we talked about how much He loves each of us and how wonderful Christmas is, and then we sat down and had a big, beautiful meal with them. It was one of the happiest Christmases I remember. And it was all because some people put themselves out there. They thought beyond themselves. Here, these weren't members of our church. They didn't feel like they had a specific responsibility to take care of the missionaries. No, they were just really good people who understood what Christmas was all about. And when I think about Light the World, I think about that time way down south in southern Chile, when these people cared so much about two 21-year-old American missionaries who were down there having a really rough time. And I know that when we say light the world, boy, that can be daunting. (laughs) I know I can't light the entire world, but I just pray, just pray and hope that uh, I can do some things to light the world for someone or for a few people. 
And if we all do our part, if we all do just a little bit to light the world for someone else, pretty soon we will light the world, much the same way that our Savior did. And that is my hope this year for Christmas. This is Nick Galetti. I am producer and host of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast podcast, as well as Book of Mormon Central's two podcasts, the Know Why podcast and the Rare Possessions podcast, and I also produce Barbie Does Dating. I wanted to share with you my light the world experience that happened while I was actually on my mission in New Orleans in the Christmas season of 1998. I was serving with my companion, Elder Waylon Richards. And we had received a number of media referrals. Those were the referrals that we received from the MTC, where an individual would call in off of a television ad or a radio ad asking for a copy of the Book of Mormon, the Bible, could be a Lamb of God video, or some other offering that the church had at that time. We would go through these periodically, and if there was an individual that we weren't able to contact, we would put them in a slightly different pile, one that we only contacted every so often. If we were able to reach people and set appointments, all the better. And so what we did during this Christmas season is we decided to go through and try and contact the people that had sent in media referrals. At this time, we had probably a pile of about 15 people that we hadn't been able to reach. As we went through the stack of media referrals of people that we had not been able to reach, we decided, my companion and I, along with our ward mission leader at the time, that we were going to do something that I frankly had never done on my mission before. And that was that we went out of our way to, I guess, do something kind of, uh, we might even call it crafty. What we did was we bought a box of candy canes, this being Christmas time, and we made a little note. We tied that note to the candy cane and left it on their door, simply trying to say we wanted to reach out to them. We wanted to connect to them and bring to them their item that they had requested. And we thought that this would be a nice touch, but it would also be a way that we would help separate ourselves from maybe the scores of phone calls that someone had received and just made it a little bit more personal. So we composed this little note on a little three-by-five card. It was not only that message, but a, a short Christmas message inviting them to partake of the Christmas spirit. When we handed these out to the different doors, we had no idea what type of response we were going to get, and we had no idea who these people were, really. We hadn't met them yet. One of the great examples to me of humility was that I thought this idea was kind of lame, and I didn't really expect much. In fact, I was the guy that you might say was not entirely sure why we were doing it. It seemed almost like a waste of time. Well, as these stories tend to go, one of those candy canes resulted in someone contacting us, and the individual that contacted us back was a woman by the name of Mary. And it turns out that Mary was a less active or inactive member at this time in her life. And the scriptures, the Book of Mormon that she had requested, was for her husband, who wasn't a member, and his name was Todd. She invited us back, and of course we gladly were anxious to go over and meet them. And as we sat down in their home and we talked with them, we decided that we were going to try and share with them 
the first discussion, which at that time in 1998 was where we talked about God the Father, Jesus Christ, Joseph Smith and the restoration of the gospel, and the Book of Mormon. And this is where we invited people to read passages from the Book of Mormon, pray about it, and then we would come back, and after they presumably followed that pattern, we would then teach them a second discussion where we then commit them to baptism. When we started teaching the first discussion, it became aware to us that Mary's family had been working with her and Todd for some time to try and get them interested in the church. In fact, Todd, the non-member husband at this time, had received one of Mary's father's copies of the Triple Combination. And so he had a nice set of scriptures. And so we didn't exactly have to leave him with one, but we left him with passages to read. As was the case in this part of the world and this time in our missions, we weren't setting any expectations as far as anyone keeping their commitments. But in, in this sense, we just were grateful that we were able to reach out to someone who was reaching out to us. After a few days, we came back for the second discussion. And as is normal the case, we asked, how did you do with your commitments, with the commitments that we gave you? And he said that he had read the Book of Mormon passages that we gave him and then started reading from the beginning of the Book of Mormon. He had also taken the time to pray about the truthfulness of the message that we had to share and of the Book of Mormon. And to our delight, he said that he knew the Book of Mormon was true and that he wanted to be baptized. And we taught the second discussion, which included again a commitment to be baptized when we set the date and set times for the remaining discussions, a time for him to come to church and meet the bishop and go through the regular processes of baptism and conversion into the church. This was a light the world moment for me, not because it was anything spectacular or grand, but because it was simple. And it was because my companion and our ward mission leader had far more humility than I did. And I am still friends to this day, some 20 years later, 20 years to the holiday season, in fact, that I met Todd and Mary and had the opportunity to be one of the people to bring the gospel into their life. I'm grateful to know them today to visit them when I get to go and to meet them in New Orleans. The gospel is true, and at this time in the world, we may find that it is the simplest of things that help light the world in miraculous and wonderful ways. Hey, it's me, Richie T. from The Cultural Hall. We are a show available in podcast form. You can get it at theculturalhall.com or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, We do two episodes a week, an hour long for each of them. One is called Articles of News. It's basically the latest headlines. Uh, We share them with you. Sometimes we dive deep. Sometimes we keep it pretty superficial. Sometimes it's the serious story and other times it's the silly. Uh, And then also we do what we call numbered episodes. Those are interviews with uh, Latter-day Saints of Note. Uh, folks that uh, that we want to know more about. Maybe they've written a book or they've given a talk or given a talk and written a book, uh, whatever that is. We we share their relation to Latter-day Saint-ism. And, uh, and so I encourage you, if you are, have never listened or if you haven't listened for a while, to come back and give us, give us a listen. I want to talk about lighting the world as it applies to me. For people who listen to the Cultural Hall, you know that there was a good amount of time when I was not in the church, and not just that I didn't go to the church, but that I was no longer a member of the church. And 
I remember when I was rebaptized, having the opportunity to come out of the water a second time and as an adult and and really really considering that opportunity that I had to be forgiven again, to be admitted into Christ's church again, and also had that opportunity to kind of reflect on on how I felt in that moment about the truthfulness of of the gospel, uh, that I never sort of strayed away from it, but that I had even more of a desire now, being at that point, or now today even, to share that. Um, the gospel, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the people, the faith tradition, is a thing that, uh, that means more to me than probably anything else in the world. And when I think of light the world, I, I kind of think of two, of two different things of lighting the world, both lighting the world in that, you know, the light of Christ, the uh, hope to get through tough things that can occur. Uh, I think of that as far as the light of, of the world goes. I also think like the ease of things, right? Like lightening the world, like allowing us to feel lighter, to feel forgiven for all of those weighty things that have happened in our life that Christ, um, that he lightens the world, uh, takes our sins upon him and, and allows us the opportunity to be forgiven of those things. And so, you know, when I think of light the world, I, I try and associate it with, you know, some sort of light so that I'm constantly remembering Christ and, and his sacrifice, or I'm thinking of, you know, helping other people and lighting the world and, and sharing it that way. But to me, when it really comes down to it, I, I think of a family tradition that I have, which is I go to see the Christmas lights at Temple Square every year, and I make a point to go to the North Visitor Center. Uh, I think it's in the Galaxy Room or Universe Room, or I can't remember what it's called, but you wind the, the ramp up to the top of the North Visitor Center, and there is uh, a large Christus there. Every year, I take the opportunity to, to sit and to reflect to reflect on who I am, who I have been that year, since I make it a yearly tradition, and then also that opportunity to to really reflect on who I want to be. And, and it's great because after I've sort of you know been in my thoughts and had my eyes closed, I can I can look up and I see Christ and I see it perfectly lit there in that room. And and to me that's that's the light of the world. That's lighting the world. I saw you walking by Rousseau Your head was down Your hands hung low Oh, life just has a way of getting to you Well, there is one who knows your fears He's felt your pain He's cried your tears Your tears of such a broken everyone. I'm Brant Malone. And I'm Jenny Dye. And we are from the Mormon News Report podcast. And this is how we help light the world. 
very quickly, I was a missionary in South Korea from the years 2003 until 2005. And the one thing that they don't tell you about being a missionary is Christmas can be really awesome because you get a chance to talk to your parents. Christmas can also be really hard because it's very much a time around the world of a lot of familiness, a lot of together time. And so I had made it through my first Christmas in South Korea. I was going into my last Christmas in South Korea. And we were in a new area. We didn't know that many people. We were in a big city. So sometimes you get this feeling when you're in a really big city, you can feel even more alone. And I was watching out for a few of the younger missionaries that were around that were going through their first Christmas time. Well, a group of us got together on Christmas Eve and said, what the heck are we going to do on Christmas Eve? There's no possible way we're going to go knocking doors. There's no way we're going to start doing street contacting. What can we do to make sure that we're trying to get the message of Christ out there, but also trying to embrace a little bit of the holiday spirit? And so one of the missionaries had the idea of getting all of us together. There were about 12 of us and doing some Christmas caroling in a city square. Now, I need to tell you something. That is very, very uncommon in a place like South Korea, especially with a bunch of Americans because we were mostly Americans. Americans doing it. And so we got a lot of attention from people. The best part about the whole thing wasn't the fact that we could um, see people smiling and, and, and things like that. It was the one man who came up to us and watched us for a good 10 minutes and afterwards in Korean told us, I really, really liked your singing. And it's a big compliment because he was an older Korean gentleman. And to get compliments from older Korean men is not very common, especially when you're younger. And so the fact that we could brighten his life and the fact that all of us were able to feel the spirit of Christ during that time showed me how important it is to light the world and how we can light the world with Christ. Awesome. I love that story. Thanks, Brant. Uh, the story that I want to share is actually something that I have never shared publicly before. Uh, I made an Instagram post about it when it happened, but I was very vague and for reasons that you'll soon understand. Um, what I'm talking about happened on Christmas Eve in 2016. Just for some context, at that point in my life, I was a single mom working very hard and just days before had found out that I accomplished a huge goal of mine. In my personal life, I was really on top of the world in many, many ways. I had just refinanced my house. I was debt-free. I was looking forward to a future of promise that I, a couple of years before, would never, ever have dreamed. And it was really, really a, a great feeling. However, also at that time, one of my kids uh, was struggling with some some health issues. So on the morning of Christmas Eve, I had some last minute errands to run, as is kind of typical, I think, for a lot of moms. And so I, I had to go to, I would say probably about five stores. Uh, that's what was on my to-do list that day. But before I did, I had to take my friend, or I'm sorry, my daughter, who I just referenced, who had been struggling with some things to a therapy appointment. So I did. I dropped her off and I went to the store. I pulled into the parking lot and before I could even get out of my car, my phone rang and it was, it was uh, my daughter's therapist, and she said, "She said, Jenny, listen, I've been talking with your daughter, and you need to take her to the emergency room. Um, I don't want to get too too graphic here, Brant, but but the gist of it was she intends to hurt herself very severely, and she intends to do it today, tonight, actually, and she has a plan. And uh, I remember sitting there in the in the parking lot in my car." And just wanting for any, I would, I would give anything to take that pain from her, right? So I, I called her other parents, her dad and her stepmom. I said, I'm going to take her to this hospital. This is what's happening. I'm going to go pick her up immediately. I'll meet you there. 
And so I did that. I went to my daughter's therapist's office. I picked her up. We went immediately to the emergency room. Throughout the day, I was on the phone with uh, another daughter who was at home and taking care of her younger siblings and filling in where I needed her to. And it was it was very sweet the way that she willingly stepped up as well. And we spent the entire day in the emergency room. My daughter, myself, and my daughter's dad and stepmom. Throughout the day, she got some care that she needed and committed to actually not going through with her her plan. And when it was safe, we uh, she was discharged and we all left. When we got out of the hospital, it was dark. And I had not done those last-minute errands, including going to um, get groceries so that I could feed my family the Christmas dinner that I wanted to. So right next to the hospital, there's a grocery store. And, uh, and we went, I told her, I said, we've got to stop here before we go home. And I got the groceries that I needed and I got the, you know, kind of last minute things, the stocking stuffers, whatever. At that point, it's whatever the, the grocery store has to offer, right? Not the most ideal of choices, but still it was something. I was doing my best to put on my brave face, my brave mom face. But the reality was I was so sad. My heart was broken for my daughter who was hurting with a hurt that I didn't know how to heal. And uh, in best laid plans, right? I had planned out the day and it just was not going. And I, I just felt so bad for the hurt that my daughter had. And so as we were going up and down the aisles, she was trying to help. Mom, What what's next on the list? I can run and go get it. Mom, let me help you. And as I was walking up and down those aisles, I was crying. The tears would not stop. They were just constant. And I was just wiping them off as fast as they would, as fast as they fell. I just couldn't stop. And I didn't try to hide it. I did try to not uh, make a, <laughs> a noisy, blubbery mess of myself. But I, but the tears were falling, and, and I think it would have been a, a bigger scene had I tried to stop, if you know what I mean. So by the time I got to the checkout, you know, the, the cashier saw that I was crying and, and she was very sensitive and are you okay? And, you know, sometimes when you're crying, someone says, are you okay? And that just makes it worse. But, uh, we made it through the checkout line and we walked out to the car. We got to the car and we're loading groceries in and someone ran out, ran out of the store after me into the parking lot and said, ma'am, ma'am. And I, of course, didn't know they were talking to me. And I said, yes. And he said, um, you need to go back inside. You forgot something. It's at the, it's at the customer service desk. And so my daughter and I quickly loaded all our groceries into the car and two of the two of us went back inside and I went to the customer service desk and I said, I was told that I left something. I don't know what it was. And the woman working at the desk handed me a small bouquet of flowers. Now, you know, a grocery store isn't necessarily a, a major florist. But these flowers were beautiful. It was a very small bouquet, but someone had written a note that said, um, I hope, you know, I wish you peace on Christmas. And uh, so the, the post that I had put on Instagram was uh, was just this bouquet of flowers. And, you know, that year for Light, the Light the World initiative, it was Jesus fed the hungry and so can you or whatever it was. So so I posted that bouquet of flowers and I and the, the caption that I added was, Jesus anonymously purchased flowers and left them at the grocery store service desk for the woman who couldn't stop crying while she shopped on Christmas Eve and totally lifted her spirits, and so can you. Hashtag like the world. The point being, I don't know who did that. I will never find out who did that. 
But I know that that person was doing as the Savior did. And when we look out for the one, that is a really effective and really powerful way to light the world. And folks, that's the reason why Jenny is the real MVP of the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to go out there and find ways to light the world. If you want any ideas, check out hashtag light the world on Twitter and Instagram. You can also check out some of the stuff that they're doing on Facebook, and we'll talk to you again after a while. Hello, this is Zach Cordell from the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist Podcast, where I mix food, faith, and science and discuss the cultures that we might have and how that can influence our behaviors as well. Be sure to check it out. We'd love to have you. I first wanted to say that I'm thankful for my fellow Latter-day Saint podcasters and that I'm so glad that I get to be a part of this. And I know that they are lighting the world through their content. I, I really get uplifted by their podcasts and the episodes and the spirit that they bring. But as a new parent, I think about what I want my kids to get from this holiday season. And I think most parents go through the time where they think about what it must have been like to have a brand new baby, to know that that child is going to be the savior of the world. I know that I worry about messing my kids up, but I feel like that might have been a little bit more pressure. But to be there alone, away from family, your friends, in your normal environment, you know, giving birth to that child the child that the world depends on, could be a pretty lonely and overwhelming place. But even though they were there without family, any friends, or worldly comforts, I feel like they had the light of the gospel and the hope for the future that was there to strengthen them. But what I want my kids to get from the holidays is not the presents and it's not the food, even though I do love food. To me, the holiday seasons are about that light and that hope that comes from this time of year. In the United States, Christmas time is one of the darkest months of the year. And while there is the physical darkness, I feel like the holidays are a pretty bright time. Uh, Even whenever it's dark outside, people have lights around their trees. They have lights around their homes. Some people put lights around their cars. But it's not just that physical light that lights up this holiday season. I feel like there's a, a kindness about people. There's a hope about people. There's a, like a little glint in people's eyes and a spiritual fire that can help to like strengthen and warm the people that are around us. So it's not just the physical light. And we can do so much to bring light into the lives of those around us just by our example. When we're striving to become like Christ by using the gift of the atonement, we don't necessarily need to go out of our way to find ways to serve. A lot of times, we're just going to be blessed with those opportunities that are placed right in front of us because we're seeking out goodness. Now, I think back to my youth leaders, my bishops, my Sunday school teachers, my parents, siblings, and and some of my friends, whether they were members of the church or not, but they just led and had a Christ-like example about them. I remember going on a date in high school with some friends where we delivered gifts to a family in need that the bishop had asked us to take those to. And how sweet of an experience that was to be hiding around the corner and watching a mother just open the door and realize that she was loved and that she was known, not because of the presence, not because of the physical gifts that were there, but because of the intent that was behind it. I remember caroling with my family. We would go to our neighbors who didn't have any family near them 
and just the light that would come into their eyes whenever they would see these strangers all at their house singing them songs about Christ. And that's what the holidays mean to me. But for those of you that feel like you can't see the light through the dark and nothing seems to light these holidays, I just want you to know that you are loved and you are worth it and there is help. So please reach out because there are hands that will lift you up. Because this holiday season is about a savior that knows us perfectly and a savior that loves us completely. And while I think about it from a parent's perspective in terms of you know, Mary and Joseph, our heavenly father and our heavenly mother love us so much, the reason for this season is that Jesus Christ came for us so that we could be imperfect and overcome those imperfections. This is Zach Cordell, the Latter-day Saint nutritionist, thankful for the light of the world and that I'm able to hold him up for others to see. Merry Christmas. Light the world with Jay and Brad. The what? Next Step Podcast. Yeah. We like to finish each other's sentences. We are, what is our podcast about, Jay? It is about, it's an LDS faith-based podcast about specifically the church's addiction recovery program and how people can find solution to overcoming their addiction or their loved one's addiction. Yep, this started about three years ago. Uh, we have uh, ARP strong. meetings that are 12-step meetings that the church has. I was not aware of them, and so as I first started attending them upon your invitation, yep. I realized this is a special message that the world needs to hear. And so we created a podcast, and we do a weekly Ask the Addict or Ask a Spouse of an Addict interview. And we've got hundreds and hundreds of hours of long-form interviews um, about solution and about how people have overcome and are living with their uh, addiction or their spouse who's overcome addiction. Yeah, and how they can find recovery. And some people are in the beginning phases. So it's basically a tool that other people who are new, you find out your spouse has an addiction you didn't know about or you're an addict and you now want recovery. It just gives you more information of what recovery is just in case your church is a little bit smaller where you live and you may not have meetings set up. It can, I mean, Brad goes into detail throughout the podcast on how to set that up and how to get your bishop and stake involved. So, Because it is uh, our church. When we say, I, we, meet, we talk to a lot of people and they say, the church needs to do this. The church needs to do that. And I now go, well, who's the church? We're the church. So we need to do this. We need to do that. 100%. And I think that's what the light the world's all about. Totally. Because it's, this is the yeah. season of light the world and the church needs to light the world. Who's the church, Jay? Yeah, like we, you always think of Salt Lake because we live here in Southern California. And you're just like, oh, well, what's Salt Lake doing? It's like, no, dude, like Salt Lake didn't tell us what to do here. Like we figured it out, you figured it out. It and puts a framework it. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave some manuals. They gave us, once again, mm-hmm. resources. However, it, it, this is- To more, make it happen, we, the Christ, church. Christ said in the New Testament, we are the body, right? Mm-hmm. So like I'm the head, you're the body. So we need to do the work and do the labor and- been awesome. When I think of light the world and the 25 ways, 25 days, I just think of step 12 in ARP because it is, if you're uh, talking about addiction recovery and as open as we are, there's not a day that goes by where it's not discussed to member, non-member. Yeah. And for what Brad said with the, the 12 step, 
that the, their sequence of steps one through 12 and the 12th one is service. So, you know, it's rad that we as members get an opportunity to light the world once a year, you know, but reality is when you get dive into our podcast, if you learn about the 12 steps that the church has adopted um, in the addiction recovery program, your service is supposed to be rendered every day when the opportunity arises. Like, and in step 11, you pray for that opportunity to happen, which, you know, obviously we get to experience a lot. So it's awesome. Well, what are we doing this week with lighting the world? We got invited to do something. Yeah. So me and Brad, because we, like we said, would light the world, like it's the same theme as open your mouth and share. And so we've done that over the years and, and Brad, uh, it, we got invited to go speak in a local community event, like gathering a hundred and something couple, hundred, hundred and something people in, in, uh, in the town of Laguna beach with, uh, just not non-members, non-members, but set up by a member yeah. as like an outreach for community and faith. And we have a gentleman who's been a long time AA, uh, participant and has sponsored, very high profile people. He's very, uh, he's, he's in, he's in the circles of very probably high profile people. Let's just say the, that. The top 1%. Yeah. yeah. And we're just going to share with a bunch of people about what our, we, experience, our experience with addiction and recovery and how they could help. Yeah. And just share, once again, it's an opportunity to share what our church, not someone else's church or someone else's community. The reason why a lot of the reason why a lot of these things start is because one person opens their mouth another member gets, excited about it and then you both get engaged in the work and then you go to work and then everything else comes from there cool well we hope that uh the listeners to this go out and light the world i'm going to give a quick plug to our stakes uh light the world and it's interfaithlightheworld.org this is uh, you've seen i pulled this off your fridge it's Jake. rad rad and calendar it's 25 ways 25 days and it is littered with a lot of different activities with a lot of different Options. denominations. Yeah. Day one, snow day at Laguna Niguel Presbyterian Church, not the LDS church. Yeah. Day two, so Sunday the second, Chanaka Wonderland. Okay. Crazy. Uh, you go down to third Tuesday of the first week, the Tazy Prayer at St. Timothy Catholic Church. All right. We got uh, Laguna Presbyterian Church, Faith Episcopal Church, the Latter-day Saint Church, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, the the Lutheran Church, like all 25 days is something else Engle, uh, intermixed with lighting the world within the faith community here in Southern California. So those that did that in our stake really have taken this by the horns and, and it's amazing. So I, I, it's happening all over the world. So we're just one little stake of Zion doing it. Pretty rad. And we're just doing our thing. So if you like what you heard, come listen to us on the Next Step podcast, find on any podcast app you can look at 12 steps to change.com that's our website that links to a bunch of it but uh get out there do something good for the world we got some fun interviews and fun banter so we just love to talk we love to serve so we love the church all right rock on bye merry christmas this is kurt frankham from holiday utah And I'm the host of the Leading Saints podcast, a popular podcast where we discuss all things leadership in the context of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we at the Leading Saints organization and in my home are excited to light the world by sharing a beautiful message of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Now, every time of year during Christmas, when this opportunity comes around, it's easy to focus on this effort using the hashtag light the world in a individual or personal uh, context, right? Maybe we take a selfie with with our family or share a special moment we're having as we see the lights at Temple Square, and we use the hashtag light the world. Since I run a leadership podcast, I want to encourage the leaders in the church to make sure that they not only make an individual effort in the light the world campaign, but also they make it explode and ignite in their individual wards and branches. I hope we're talking about it in our classes, in our sacrament meetings. I hope it's referenced in all of our sacrament meeting programs of how individuals can light the world. And most importantly, engage the ward mission leader to lead the effort as as the bishop's in his office doing tithing settlement, the ward mission leader can really lead the effort in helping the ward know how they can share the light the world message with everybody in their life. I know of one bishop whose bishopric actually asked specific families to make an effort to use the light the world hashtag uh, throughout their social media efforts and in their life, and then they had them speak in sacrament meeting about that experience and share those sweet experiences of how their family came together to light the world. Another young women's president created an advent calendar last year during Light the World and really engaged the young women and youth in lighting the world and using that hashtag in their social media efforts. And don't forget, this year's going to be so awesome because we have a special Sunday invitation on December 23rd. LDS.org says, as part of the culmination of Light the World, members are encouraged to invite friends and neighbors who aren't members or who attend infrequently to join them in worshiping the Savior during a special sacred meeting on December 23, 2018. Ward and branch leaders have been asked to plan a Christ-centered meeting and help guests feel welcome and comfortable. As you pray, ask Heavenly Father to help you know who might be prepared to accept an invitation. Isn't that great? You don't need to be uh, worried about who's speaking or the topics being discussed in sacrament meeting on December 23rd because the bishopric will organize a strong Christ-centered sacrament meeting. So invite your friends, be proactive and consider, is there somebody on your street, somebody you go to work with, somebody that you carpool with, that you could extend an invitation and say, hey, will you come with me to church on December 23rd and learn about our Savior with me? What a fantastic opportunity for a ward to come together and truly light the world. The message of light the world is so powerful because all light comes from our Savior. I love mentioning His name every time I say Merry Christmas because the sound of it reminds me of His grace and that He is always standing by to light the world. Merry Christmas from all of us at the Leading Saints Podcast. So thanks for listening, guys. I hope this has been uplifting for you, that you have been strengthened and nourished both spiritually and physically. And be sure to check some of those other podcasts out. 
leave a review um, for the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist. And a special thanks goes out to Garth Smith, who put the music together for this episode. And uh, we'll talk soon. Be sure.